First of all, full disclosure, haven't recorded in this apartment yet. Don't know how it's going to go. Might be some background noise. Like, I can hear the street. I don't think you can, but I'm not sure what my iPad's going to pick up recording. So we'll see. Um, today I'm going to take a little, like, uh, a left turn from what I've been doing because... I feel like a lot of the stories I've been doing have slowly been getting, like, more gruesome. And, like, my last one was a massacre, a gender-based massacre. So I'm going to take a left turn from that and tell you a couple cute little ghost stories. Both are from PEI. They're just both short. So I decided to do two. Okay, so the first one is a ghost ship. It's a schooner on the Northumberland Strait, which is the body of water that separates PEI from Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. Ooh, Canadian. Yes. Oh yes, continuing all the Canadian stuff. I'm just going to start with sightings, I guess, just like a timeline of what people have seen. So the sightings started in 1786. It's typically seen in spring and fall. And sometimes seen with three, sometimes seen with four masts, and the sails are on fire. And there's also different accounts on what's happening with the crew. Some people see the crew climbing up the masts to get away from the fire. Some of them see them running around on the deck. And eventually, if people are watching it for a while, the ship sinks vanishes or completely burns. And the kind of rigging and type of ship also vary with accounts. Like one account said it was a steamer ship. I don't really know much about ships, so doesn't mean a lot to me, but <laughs> might to some people. In 1900, a group of sailors from Charlottetown, New Brunswick, saw a ship on fire on the horizon. They could see the crew members trying to escape the flames by climbing the masts. They hopped into rowboats and started heading over to rescue the crew. And then as they started to get close, it started to disappear. Uh, spooky. Yes, very spooky. And it is September, so spooky season is coming. So also very on brand for that. In the 1950s, a couple from Glengarry were getting ready for bed when the wife spotted a light outside her, the window. So she asked her husband whose house it was, but where she was pointing was the water. So they went outside to see what the light was and saw a ship on fire. They stood and watched it, and it eventually just disappeared. And they later spoke to American folklorist Edward D. Ives from Maine University and told him about this. Also sometime in the 1950s, a fisherman from Campbellton told Ives, the same American folklorist, that he also saw it when he was out fishing one night and he tried to approach the boat but never got closer, so he kept going, he kept rowing, but it was the same distance away the entire time. And then the 
most recent sighting was in 2008. A newspaper out of Nova Scotia published an account of a white and gold ship spotted by a 17-year-old boy in... Now bear with me here. Tottamagoosh, Nova Scotia, in that January. And then another young male reported seeing it in October of the same year. And those are the most recent accounts I could find. Some notes of it in uh, music and popular culture. So it's obviously been in newspapers and mentioned regularly since the 1950s. It's been in some novels. And it's been in some songs such as Tales of the Phantom Ship by Canadian singer-songwriter Lenny Gallant from Rustico PEI. And I'll read a couple lines from the song. I will read it, not sing it. <laughs> There's a burst of flame and a flash of light, and there on the tide is a frightening sight. As a tall ship, all the flame lights up the sky. Tales of the phantom ship from truck to keel in flames. She sails the wide Northumberland Strait. No one knows her name. Ooh. Imagine having, like, a hometown ghost story like that. Like, in your neighborhood, you just know of the phantom ship. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's super spooky. I like it. It's a, it's a cool... I don't know, it's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. I like it. I love ghost stories, especially, like, fun ones like this where it's not just, like... A lady in a white dress wanders, you know, not the typical stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine seeing a whole ghost ship being like, wow, I saw this crazy ship. And somebody's like, no, you didn't. I know, you see a whole last ship on fire that just disappears randomly and people just don't believe you. And, like, it's so specific, too, that it's on fire because that'd be that much more off-putting. Like, you'd be so alarmed. You'd be, like, going to tell someone, calling 911, and then 911's, like, nah, it's just just a ghost ship. Yeah. So it's also been in some travel books, such as Over the Island by Helen Champion in 1939, Roland H. Sherwood, book in 1948 titled Story Parade, which briefly mentioned the ship. And he also mentioned it again in another book that was published in 1975 titled Phantom Ship of Northumberland Strait and Other Mysteries of the Sea, which I want to read that book. That sounds interesting. Honestly, my favorite, like, most cherished books out of all the books I have from my childhood are all the, like, eclectic stories, and a lot of them were, like, the Canadian, the Canadian haunted ghost stories. Those yeah, are the best. the Haunted Canada books. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we had them in the library at school, so everyone would, like, fight over who got to check them out next, and there was always a line, like, um... A list of, like, who got them next. Honestly, I look back on my childhood and I do think about how privileged I was because when those scholastic book fairs would come around, ooh, I, they, my, my parents would justify it being like, oh, it's books, it's learning, but I would buy so many, it's not even funny. Yeah, I usually got, 
I was always given a budget because my parents knew I would go crazy. But I usually got like two books and a poster or something. Oh, that's super solid mm-hmm. because it happens like a couple times a year. So yeah, you exactly. Build up that collection. Exactly. It has also been mentioned in some academic journals, and it was actually a stamp on a featured on a stamp in a series dedicated to Canadian ghost stories. And it came out on Friday, June 13th, 2014. There's a few potential origins of it, like uh, um, what it could be have been. So I'll tell you those now. <laughs> so there's a legend that it showing up means there's a bad storm coming. There's also potentials of, like, not what it means, but what it could have been. So, one potential is that it was a ship of immigrants that was headed to Quebec before it was blown off course and struck by lightning. I don't have a date on that. I have a date on some of them, but not that one. Some people believe it was a pleasure craft that caught fire after a lamp was knocked over during a drunken brawl. Or it could be the remains of a ship that went missing en route to Scotland or Shippigan Island. So, some say Scotland, some say the other one. I'm not going to try and say it again. (laughs) And Ives, the same guy um, from before, the American, he was told... That it was originally a ship carrying priests and nuns that was set on fire by pirates. Which is very oddly specific. Hmm. The ship is also often associated with the pirate Captain Kidd, who was executed in 1701. So people believe it was his ship and they're still haunting it because of his execution or something like that. There's also a theory it was a ship called Colbum that was lost in a storm in 1888 or a ship called Isabella which was also lost in 1888 last seen by a lighthouse keeper on Amet Island. I can't decide which one's my favorite of the theories. I like the one about the priests and nuns one just because it's so specific. It seems like it's like more likely to be true because it's so specific. Well, the struck by lightning one is very random. Yeah, very specific too. Because it's specifically a ship of immigrants headed to Quebec... That was blown off course and then struck by lightning. So also very specific. Well, I wonder if that's because it was just accounts of missing ships. Ships that caught fire in that like span of time. So that's why these are the various options. Yeah, that's true. There's not many... um, Like there's not many causes for a ship catching on fire. Lightning, uh, lamp getting knocked over, and being set on fire by pirates. That's really only the only things it could be. 
Mm. And, and like even like the lightning one is super extreme. The lamp, okay, feasible. Pirates, like I don't know how common it was at the time that they're like placing this story, but maybe. Yeah, because the pirates feasible. one also doesn't have a year. Lightning doesn't seem that unlikely because if you think about it, lightning tends to strike the tallest point and if it's striking near water this big ship with big tall mass is gonna be the tallest thing okay so ships getting struck by lightning is more common than you think well i don't actually know that i'm just saying like could be <laughs> it just just doesn't seem that far off from a possibility i feel like pirates setting a ship on fire in canada seems more far off. Like, I don't think we really had... I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a history person. I don't know. Or a science person. I don't know. <laughs> so, I have um, some potentials of what it could be that's not a ghost ship. I personally mm. am going to choose to believe it is a true ghost ship, but for some more... Um, practical people there's other theories so in 1905 William Francis Genong claimed he had disproven it he claimed that it is a phenomenon known as St. Elmo's Fire which for the record I think is also a movie um, but it is this phenomenon is a glow that is caused by electricity in the atmosphere which is really cool on its own. Yeah, but I feel like if there's multiple accounts, like, where, why would everybody share that, like, specific detail of it yeah. being a ship and not just, like, a ball of light? Yeah. Um, some people just think it's a crescent moon setting, which, again, looks nothing like a large ship on fire. Interesting. <laughs> that was a little far-fetched, but okay, okay. I'll, I'll entertain it. I know, I feel like it being a crescent moon is more far-fetched than... If it, oh, my dad's calling me, fuck. Um, where did I leave off? We were talking about... Oh, yeah, we were talking about the crescent moon. Okay, so, um, another theory is this specific type of mirage called Feta Morgana... Which, quote, when a distinct band of warm air settles atop a distinct band of cool air, rays of light are bent as they pass through the different temperatures, acting like a refracting lens. And that's from Fox Harbor Resort, which is one of my sources. So this same theory is often also used to explain sightings of the Flying Dutchman ship. Ooh. Which I honestly... Name drop. <laughs> I know. I honestly didn't realize that was anything more than just a character in Spongebob. <laughs> well, like, I've heard it before in other places, but most iconic, of course, was the episodes with Spongebob. Of course. Sponge homie. Um, and objects viewed through this mirage can appear to, uh, can appear to fly, be upside down, be shimmering, and be seen in surprising detail. So that one's not too, too far off of the realm of possibility. 
of school. Okay, okay. So the last theory of what else it could be other than a ghost ship is fog reflecting moonlight. And this feeds into the um, the theory a lot of people believe that it's a warning of a storm coming is fog reflecting moonlight on a dark night before a storm can often look really different. So that could be why it's associated with storms, if that's what's causing it. Okay. My favorite theory is still that it's a ghost ship. <laughs> Although I do really like the Mirage one. That's really interesting. Yeah, that one is really interesting. So my sources for that were, of course, go to Wikipedia and CBC, Nouveau Magazine, and Fox Harbor Resort. So that's it for the ghost ship. But I have another haunted thing. This one's a place in PEI. It's mm. King's Playhouse, which is a theater in Georgetown, PEI. And it is included. It is included on haunted walks that you can do through Georgetown. We love those. I know. So I have a very short history on it. Three bullet points. The original building was built in 1880 on top of a grave site for sailors. And I feel like stuff being built on top of a grave site is how a lot of these stories start. Mm, it's a classic. <laughs> so the original building burnt down in 1983. And a replica was built in 1984. So it was rebuilt the exact same. So, um, specifically... I'm going to talk about the show Haunted, who visited. So, sorry, just a little blurb about the show. Quote, this reality series, which comes from the producers of The Purge and Lore, provides viewers with a chilling glimpse into first-person accounts of supernatural events. End quote. So, it's another ghost hunting show where they go to haunted places. So the crew stayed at the theater for two days and two nights and then fled. They were supposed to stay longer, but they did not. The director of photography, Dylan Garland, said, quote, I'm a little happy to not be in that space today or tomorrow, end quote. And I think that's like says a lot when a crew for a show where, like, this is literally what they do can't stay there any longer. No, for sure. So while they were there, many things were moved. And some things they saw moving, like a light fixture was swinging. And Garland said some were, quote, very heavy stuff that shouldn't have been moving, end quote. So I wasn't able to figure out exactly what he meant by that. But I'm guessing, like, even this light fixture, like, those big theater lights, they don't just wave in the wind. 
Like, you don't open the door and get a gust of wind and they start waving. Like, they're too hefty for that. They also heard a lot of footsteps that didn't have a source because everyone was together. And same with voices. They heard voices upstairs when everyone was downstairs all together. So light workers, paranormal investigators came from Halifax and they stayed overnight for an event on Halloween in 2014. 30 people got to stay overnight and the Playhouse president, Randall Fletcher, promised anyone who stayed the night a free breakfast in the morning. And I don't actually know how many people got that free breakfast. I couldn't find that. <laughs> that were able to stay all night is basically what you're saying. Yeah, like I want to know how many people stayed all night, but I didn't see it anywhere. That's funny. Throughout the night, the lights flickered, and a light used to project hundreds of lights in a hallway started acting up. A spirit box, which I know you know what a spirit box is, but let me just pull up a quick definition. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So from the website SinisterCoffeeAndCreamery.com, quote, a spirit box is a device that rapidly sweeps the frequency channels of radio stations, creating a white noise effect. This is said to allow spirits to use the energy to manipulate it to form words and phrases. Clear sounds that sometimes are heard as intelligent responses can be caught while the device scans a multitude of radio stations. It is thought the faster the sweep, the clearer the information. End quote. So... A spirit box they were using caught a voice saying either Peter or Pierre around 3 or 4 a.m. and a voice saying stop it. Two different people brought recording devices and had put new batteries in them ready to go all night and they had dead batteries when they went to use them. Mm, that's Flex a classic. Yeah. They love fucking with technology. Fletcher had turned his phone off for the event, but it turned itself on twice during the night. Some other fun ghosty stuff is the ghost that they believe to be haunting the theater is... Sorry, they believe it is the ghost of Captain George, but no one knows for sure. And at night, doors rattle, lights turn off. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily always at night, but... One board's member, a 150-pound dog, refused to go to him when he was in a room and instead just barked at the hallway. Mm. Fletcher used the ghost chair as a prop during a show, and they experienced several technical malfunctions during the show. The following night, he put it at the back of the audience, and they had no issues. And whenever a patron would sit in the chair accidentally, lights would flicker or other technical issues would happen. There have been ghostly things happening for around 30 years, and several of the staff believe there's more than one ghost. During an investigation in summer in the summer of 2014, 
A recording got a voice saying, quote, the flag holds me here, end quote. So Fletcher hired a psychic, and when she came in, he asked her what the name of the ghost, I presume the ghost whose chair is that he really focuses on is. And she said there was a different spirit demanding attention, claiming to be the important one. And she said this spirit was very old, thin, tall, and bossy. When she reached the spirit running the theater, it told her their name was John or Jonathan. And one of the paranormal workers mentioned a Jean-Pierre Roma associated with the area. And after he was brought up, the spirit said, quote, thank you. And when the playhouse burned in ni- burned down in 1983, the town mayor was named Charlie Martel, and the psychic was picking up someone named Charles or Charlie. Yeah, so honestly, that's really it. <laughs> I would... Spooky, we love. Yeah, I would love to go to this playhouse and do it. What? Oh my fuck. Sam is literally laying behind, beside me, being all cutesy, and then as soon as I touched her, she bit me. It's like, well, don't press yourself against me and get all up in my bubble. Bitch. (laughs) Sounds sounds like your cat thing type to do. I know, it's very Sam. Now she's purring. (laughs) <laughs> my uh my grandma is literally like so, like you give too much attention to cooper he doesn't like being around you <laughs> like <laughs> like he's like you need to leave him alone i was like feeling so neglected because um, he didn't want to spend time with you yeah he's like doesn't want to come near me <laughs> he just wants to be with my grandmother and it's I guess it's because I'm too like she's very calm and doesn't get him excited and I always want to like play yeah I'm like an annoying little puppy and he's like the old man now <laughs> oh those stories were super cute we love Thank you, thank you. I just thought it was like a fun little, like a break, you know, because I've been covering a lot of pretty dark things, and I was also having a hard time, I was having a hard time finding like a a, a longer thing for PEI, and that's why I just did two shorter stories. Mix it up a bit too, why not? We love, we love. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Disturbed Minds. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen, and don't forget to follow the show on Instagram for show details and more at Disturbed Minds Pod. That's D I S T U R B E D M I N D S P O D.